All right, so it's it's Palm Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. See, sweet. Yeah, people got freaking palms. How appropriate. Um, yeah, we're uh, we're taking a break from Daniel. We were here studying the Book of Daniel, and uh, we're not we're gonna take a break for a few a uh, few weeks, and then we'll actually. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the next guy doing Daniel. I don't know when that'll be. Few weeks from now, but it's Palm Sunday. Um, now uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to pray here in a second. A few disclaimers. This one might be long, might be a little bit long, but I think it's. I had fun this morning. I had fun this morning, so so it should be okay. Um, and uh, what else? Oh yeah, and I I, I, I might swear a couple times. Um, youth group leaders, like direct emails to me, not Mike. Don't bug Mike. Bug me. Um, but I think they're appropriate. So if that happens, just stick with me, okay? Don't just get shocked that I said something weird. Just keep thinking, all right? Um, but first off, we got to pray. We have to pray and we have to make sure God is in front of this and not behind it. So if you guys want to pray with me, that'd be cool. Jesus, thanks for the day. Um, you're doing weird stuff with the weather, but I guess I'll say thanks anyway. Um, thank you for my friends. Thank you for my family here. Thank you that I get to talk to them. I pray that you would protect um, protect them and me. Um, that you would be first, that you would be talking, that you would be making us smarter, and I wouldn't make be making us dumber. <sighs> love us, and I pray that we could love you back in response. And, uh, yeah, while that gets done, uh, if it's a good time, that would be cool, too. Love you a lot. Amen. All right, so Palm Sunday stuff. Um, it's uh, it's in all four of the Jesus books. The like, not all of the stuff that happens is in all of the books. Like some some things happen in John, but don't happen in Luke and things like this. But this one's in all of the books. And uh, but I'm actually doing the one from Luke, uh, and I picked Luke because it's kind of personal. It kind of just shows some more stuff about Jesus and what he thinks about it about the whole situation, which is pretty cool. Um, Ironically, the palms are not in Luke. There's no mention of palms in the Luke one. So put the palms down. Sorry, it was all for nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, perhaps not required. Um, But I'm going to do some setup first. So uh, it's it's chapter 19 of Luke, but this this is all the climactic end of Jesus' life, right? I mean, Jesus is going to die within the week. I mean, spoiler spoiler alert, the hero dies in this one. Um, So, yeah, it's not going to end well. But he's he's been, Jesus and his traveling show have been going at it for three years now. Um, And he's been healing sick, um, taking people seriously who no one else takes seriously, teaching weird stuff. Um, like loving your enemies and inviting strangers to parties and stuff like that. Now, at the beginning of his ministry, he was kind of tight-lipped about his deity, about him being God, um, his cosmic identity. He didn't just march out onto the stage and say, I'm God, all right? He, that, that's hard for us humans. We wouldn't swallow that as well. So, so he's pretty subtle. Kind of ramped up to it a little bit. It's just the the last few months that he started saying, 
stuff that, oh, yeah, might be God. And it's and even then, it's been, you know, he's gotten more obvious about it, but better, a better way of saying it is he's been less cryptic about it. He still hasn't been super obviously obvious. Now, the other thing that's kind of ramped up is the miracles. Uh, at first, you know, he's like healing some sick and, and uh, turning water into wine, which is a pretty good trick. But like, you know, some of that stuff, you know, like, oh, he had a cough and he was going to get over it anyway. You know, maybe they could explain it away or something. I don't know. That's, how, that's what we do in America. <coughs> Anyways. But the week before, the week before, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And that was the kind of like, whoa, what? That was like, okay, that wasn't a cough that somebody got over. That was a thing. And it was big. It was huge and it was public. I mean, it was like the, the most diverse and less controlled, least controlled crowd of, of, the, of his miracles, you know? So everybody's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> This is a thing. So, 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 in a matter of illustration, think about, think about, like, if this is on the news. Let's translate this to our culture. I mean, you've got reporters talking to people, and and they're like, "Oh my gosh, he totally healed my aunt!" And you know, they're talking about metaphysical miracles and and crazy stuff he's saying. He's getting people wound up. This crazy guy, thirty-ish, single. Wandering through, and to make to bring this home a little bit, wandering through Appalachia, the East Coast, winding people up, and then they show footage of him like going to a funeral, opening up the casket, and helping the guy out. Like, ah, what? Because that's kind of how public it was. You know, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is something people are watching the news to see what Jesus is going to do. And then, the, and then the reporters say, back to you, Bert. And, and Bert shows us this map that's got, like, dots and lines and arrows of him winding his way where, where stuff happened. And it looks like he's going to D.C. It's like he's going to Washington, D.C. Just kind of let that sink in for a sec. Like, what, is it, what, what would that feeling be like? Bert, Bert gives it back to a reporter. And then the reporters got the uh, the, the the hide your wife, hide your kids guy. He's like, "Oh, government, he's gonna find you. He's gonna find you." Because <laughs> everybody's like, "Oh man, Jesus is going to D.C. and he's gonna mess stuff up." Because D.C. is kind of a good representation of Jerusalem, where he's going to. This is Jesus has been heading and meandering towards Jerusalem, which is kind of the big deal of the area. It's like it's like the seat of power for like huge region, and it is the religious power. This is, I mean, it is the capital. I mean, way bigger deal than Denver is to anything really. But it's little. Jerusalem's really little. It's like the size of Capitol Hill, our Capitol Hill. Like, like, just, just more than a square mile. And there's only 30,000 people there. And one more piece before we get into it, it is the when piece. It's their holy week. They got a holy week going, too. It's Passover. It's not Easter, because Easter hadn't been invented yet. 
for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, it's a religious holiday, and it is packed. It is, like the population is tripled. There's normally thirty thousand pl- people in this place. There's ninety thousand people in this place. They're all devout Jews. They're all there to to do the Jewish thing. So that's where we're picking it up. So we'll have the scripture up there, Luke 19. This is the situation that we're getting into. When he approached Bethphage and Bethany near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village ahead of you. There, as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has yet ever sat. Untie it. Bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. Okay. So those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. They were untying the colt. The owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. Evidently, that's not a problem. Uh, they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, remember that, asterisk, remember that, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King! Comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teach or rebuke your disciples. Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, things which make for peace. Now they have been hidden from your eyes, but the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Puzz. I do not recognize the sound of your visitation. All right. Now, this is so thick with meaningful stuff, and we're not going to get to all of it. Um, but let's just start with the prophecy stuff. The prophecy stuff is cool. Uh, this, this first verse, he's, he's just getting close. Uh, Bethany and Bethphage are pretty much suburbs of Jerusalem. They're like they're they're less than a mile from Jerusalem on the east side. And they're on the Mount of Olives. Remember, the Mount of Olives, big deal. Um, but here in the Burbs, Jesus starts to get way more directive. This is a big deal. He's kind of been a hippie about things before. He's just kind of taken whatever comes his way. He's a wanderer. Like sick person comes in his path like, oh I'll take care of that. But he's started like being more determined about what he's going to do. He, the he's directing the show now. He's like, "Let's do this. Get me a donkey." And FYI, after this scene, after he gets off the donkey, he goes to the temple, and it's a scene where he messes up the place, where he flips over the tables and rages, and that's. Correct. He's taking charge. I mean, he woke up that morning listening to Rage Against the Machine. Like, let's do this. We are going to mess stuff up today. 
Now, the donkey is a little ironic. Um, there's this book, Zechariah. It was written about 500 years before this whole all this stuff happened. Any any Jew, even kind of a regular one, would know about this book. It's kind of talking about deliverance of Israel, deliverance of God's people, deliverance of the Jews, because they get picked on all the time. It's about them getting delivered. Like, you're not going to get picked on anymore. And it talks about this Messiah, a hero to say the least. Is there gum? Sorry. That'll probably get cut from the podcast. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Swear my foot's sticking to the ground. Thanks, Dave, for nothing. Um... But the Zechariah 9, yeah, it's talking about this, this hero. And so everybody, everybody, every good Jew knows what's, what's in this book. Zechariah 9, we got that up there? Yeah, sweet. It says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim. And the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea. I think there's one more. Is there one more? Something about a river. Anyways, where is it? Yeah, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Anyways, um, so his mode of transportation here suggests a peaceful thing. So. So maybe it's Peter, Paul, and Mary and Rage Against the Machine, you know, in the, in the same playlist, I guess. And remember I told you to keep the Mount of Olives in mind? Well, in Zechariah 14, a few, a few chapters later, this one's short, so I got it for you guys. It says, then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. Oh. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. People are like, oh, our Messiah, our badass deliverer guy is going to show up on the mountain just to the east. It's like right outside the walls of Jerusalem. So that morning, I mean, you can imagine what his disciples are thinking. Of. I mean, <laughs> okay, he's been talking about some Messiah stuff, and we're on the east side of Jerusalem. It might get crazy today. I mean... Mount of Olives, that's war stuff, right? And then he orders the donkey. And they're like, oh, wait, 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 that's, that's Zechariah 9, that's peace stuff. So I, I bet they're, you know, they had to be confused one way or another. But it's supposed to be good, right? Either way, stop getting picked on. Yay. So they're fine. They're like, okay, whatever, whatever happens today, bring it. Let's do this. Uh, and, and yeah, okay, the one other kind of asterisk, the whole, like, Jedi mind trick thing, like, the Lord needs the donkey. You don't need to worry about the donkey. I thought, you know, it seems like a miracle, right? It's supposed to be, like, <laughs> it's supposed to be, it seems miraculous. And then I was reading, reading all the commentaries, and it's not miraculous at all. Um, it was a little disappointing. Evidently, it, there's this thing called angeria or something like that. I don't even know what language that is. But it's this thing where I guess dignitaries, including rabbis, could sort of invoke this um, eminent domain, domain thing. Like, 
you could procure property for personal use. And that was cool. People were just fine with that. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be okay with that, but it, it just happened. And so, like, you, if you just said, oh, Jesus, the rabbi needs it, and they're like, oh, okay. And they send your donkey or their donkey with you. And it's like, all right. So, so, but it's in every single one of the Jesus books. So it's got to be significant. I mean, I mean, if it's not miraculous, why is it there? And I don't have this completely figured out, but like when I've been thinking about this and processing this, it just talks more about him being directive, him taking control of the show. Like, I'm doing this. I'm going to. I'm going to use some privilege here. I'm going to use some of the, They call me a rabbi. Rabbi needs a donkey today. So he got one. He's taking, he's taking control of, the, of his destiny, which is to get himself killed and embarrassed. But anyways, let's keep reading. Um, they brought Jesus. What are we? We were in uh, 35. Uh, they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their coats on the colt, put Jesus on it. As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice. All the miracles which they had seen. So his disciples are making a ruckus. They're freaking out. They're like, yes, this is the day. You guys want to be here? Yay, Jesus. Now, the other thing, they're praising God as they do this, and they're praising Jesus simultaneously. This is kind of the first time they do this. This is the first time that Jesus gets praised himself. And people are, well, yeah, the church guys, they're pissed. They're like, whoa, no, Jesus, they can't do that. You're just a guy. Rebuke them. Because the, the Pharisees, you know, I mean, the, the church guys, they knew about Zechariah 9. They were like, yeah, Messiah. We'd want the Messiah too. Just not this one. <laughs> this one sucks. This one's going to mess everything up. He was not cool enough. He was not powerful enough. He was, maybe he smelled bad. I don't know. They didn't like him. They didn't want him around. They did not want him to be the Messiah. So they were like, no, 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 no. We need to put a kibosh on this in any way we can. But the crowd is psyched, and they're not going to shut up. They're about it. They're thinking this is the end. All because of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, blessed is the king. Now we're getting to my favorite part. Start looking at who this crowd is. Obviously starts out with his disciples. You know, there's there's obviously some some loyalists, some devout twenty four seventeen Jesus guys. They're there all the time. But he's starting to pick out he's picked up a bigger crowd. Especially with the Lazarus dead guy come to life thing. There are people like, Whoa I'll follow this guy around for a little while. What else will he do? And so there's a bunch of these guys. John says uh, the the Jesus book John says He's, uh, this crowd has made up a lot of those guys. And remember, even if they're on the, just, just outside of Jerusalem, it's less than a mile away to the whole other side. And so people had heard that he was kind of in the area, heading this way. 
So, I mean, it doesn't take word very long to get across the whole town saying, okay, Jesus is here. Let's go watch. <laughs> What's going to happen? And so people run out and they're like, oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, 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 okay, yay, Jesus. You know, everybody gets on board with it. Now, Jesus reacts to this. He's got something to say. Uh, but before we get there, let's fast forward to another scene. Oh, nuts. Mark 15. Do we have Mark 15? Okay, you guys have to listen to this one. Sorry. This, this is Mark 15. It's a few days after Palm Sunday, quote, unquote. And Jesus has got himself captured, um, sort of. Jesus pretty much just waits to get arrested. And, and this is sort of his trial. Uh, starting in verse 1. Early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and scribes and the whole council immediately held a consultation. Consultation. And binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him to Pilate, who's the boss guy. Pilate questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, It is as you say. The chief priests began to accuse him harshly. Then Pilate questioned him again, saying, you not answer? See how many charges, charges they bring against you? You're getting grilled here, man. Say something. Jesus made no further answer. The pilot was amazed. Now, at the feast, this Holy Week thing, Pilate used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. And the man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. The crowd went up and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. Pilate answered them, saying, You want me to release for you the king of the Jews? Yeah? For he was aware that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to ask, ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. Answering again, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with him who you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. But Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. Wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas for them. After having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be They shouted back, crucify him. They shouted all the more, crucify him. Who's they? This crowd is entirely Jewish. And it's still that same Holy Week. This Jewish crowd has a lot of overlap with the same scene on Palm Sunday when everybody's going, yay, Jesus. How shitty is that? Sucks. Sucks. Before any of this happened, Jesus knew he was going to die. It was God's plan since before the earth even existed. He knew this was how it was going to go. So that day, when he asked for the donkey, did he know what he was riding towards? Yeah. He knew how it would go. He knew how it was going to end. He knew at least some of the people saying, Blessed be the king, 
to his face now, but in a few days say, kill him. Kill him good. (laughs) What would your attitude be here if you were Jesus? Me? It just adds to the list that is infinitely long called Differences Between Jesus and Jesse. But I'd be sarcastic. When I get pissed, I get sarcastic. Ah, hey, right on. You guys are happy to see me. With me to the end, right? Dicks. No. What does Jesus do? He cries. He weeps. 41. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, things which make for peace, now they've been hidden from your eyes. You didn't recognize the time of your visitation. He weeps in sympathy for these jerks. In sympathetic regret. Man, guys, I wish you got it. I wish you would get it. Don't. I've got the peace you want. He's going to say no. It's going to suck for you. There were loyalists, sure. I mean, there was, you know, Team Jesus 24-7 guys. He's talking to them as a community, as a people. They weren't committed to Jesus. I mean, so disloyal, it's so despicable, so hypocritical. Sucks. Like waiting to the last minute of a football game and saying, like, now I'll decide who I'm rooting for. Talking about loyalty and commitment here. Commitment! Now, I'm not sure I'd say I'm committed to the Denver Broncos. That's overstating it a bit. Well, a bunch. But I've said that they're my team through some pretty embarrassing times. I mean... Phil Donovan, you, a lot of, well, you guys don't know Phil Donovan, but a lot of you know Phil Donovan, and he's a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and talk about loyalty. The Chiefs really suck. Craig was telling me this morning, he's like, well, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm like, oh, yeah. Is there any other Cubs fan? Yeah, Cubs, Cubs, yeah. Oh, you poor schmucks. There's tons of you. Oh, I know, yeah. Sam, of course. But this crowd is swayed instantly by the tide. Looks like Jesus is going to win. Yay, Jesus! Then a few days later, whoa, Jesus is not doing good right now. Boo, Jesus. Seems like the high priests are in charge. So yeah, yeah, what they said. Come, scum of the earth, my brothers and sisters, my family here. I have way more hope for you than that. I really hope and intend for you guys to be not swayed 
by public opinion, by the media, by the freaking internet. You guys can discern. You guys can think about it. You guys can be committed to what is true. Committed to what is actually happening instead of what 700 Club says or the Daily Show says. I've tried to get both scales there. Never mind, I'm not going to say anything. 700 Club is still a show, right? It is still going? Yeah, okay, all right. We don't say anything. <sighs> Put an X through a lot of the notes there. Um, but yeah, I said committed again. You hear me saying commitment a lot? Commitment is a big deal. I guess that you guys as a crowd agree with me. But we as a crowd suck at it. Okay, I mentioned football earlier, but let's step it up a notch, okay? Let's get something more meaningful, like skateboarding. (laughs) As a means of illustration. Anyways. Now... And it, and I, I want to talk about kick flip or, or flip tricks, flip tricks in particular, like kick flips and heel flips and impossibles and stuff like that. Now you, you pop the skateboard, you like you, you hit your tail down, you smash your tail down, you lift your front leg up, magic happens. The board goes up and it, and the and the board will will spin on zero or more axes, and then you land on the board and ride away. Pretty awesome. Pretty cool. When you do it, you're like, oh. <laughs> you, you, can, you can barely keep skating because you're so impressed with yourself. Like, that that happened. I couldn't do very many of those, so just a couple. It's hard. But the beauty of it, the satisfaction of it is, is to initiate this chaos, and then control that chaos, and then subdue it. Uh, this is pretty philosophical for skateboarding. But it is. It's kind of what you want to do. It's like the magic of it. It's like, that's nuts. What's happening under me? And then I'm going to stomp on it and roll away. But there's a decision. You decide to do this trick. You, may, you, you pop your deck. Kick your tail down. And the trick happens. Magic happens. Now, now there's, there's commitment involved. You have to commit to this trick. See, like, say, say I'm going that direction, and I'm sideways. I'm, I'm moving. And say the board is, like, sideways and upside down under me. And you're like, uh-uh, I'm not going to put my feet on that. I'm going to break my ankle. <laughs> That's stupid. And what happens, I mean, so the temptation is to bail, to not commit, to spread your legs and to put your feet on ground, which is a heck of a lot safer. Not going to turn your ankle. You're never going to land the trick unless you commit to that trick. Unless you decide the craziness happening under you, you're going to put your feet on it. (laughs) Now, Let's let's push this out a little bit. Whatever you don't commit to is going to fail. 
job, marriage, kids, getting to level five on a video game. If you don't commit, if you don't say, I'm going to do it, come what may, you're not going to do it. Now, all these things are kind of after the pop. They're after the pop. After you've made the decision, maybe you've made the decision. Sometimes kids happen without a decision that you're aware of. But I can tell you how it works if you really need that. But all these things are after the pop. The trick is initiated. It's time to commit. You have a wife, you have a husband or a job or a, or if you have a church, it's after the pop. You're getting there. You have to make a decision about committing. The chaos that is marriage or the chaos that is church has started in your life. Because all those things have adversity involved and all those things have chaos involved. Jobs suck. Jobs are not fun. If it was fun, you would be paying them so you could do it instead of them paying you. Jobs are supposed to suck. Church, every church makes bad decisions, even scum of the earth. I know this because I've made some of them. And they've affected all of you. And I'm sorry, I'm hopefully getting a little less bad at it. But all churches make decisions that are bad. You got to cope. You got to get past it. You got to keep going. Spouse, any spouse, your spouse, my spouse, myself as a spouse, make mistakes. Every spouse is a jerk sometimes. You don't. Kids. Okay, kids. Man. Okay, well, if you don't know how kids make your life harder, then you're. Well, they do. Kids make life harder. I have four. (laughs) And life used to be easier. (laughs) And Jesus, man, Jesus himself makes life harder. He says you got to die. He says you got to die every day. You got to say no to yourself. Yes to him. He wants you to do what he wants you to do. And it's weird stuff. It's hard stuff. They're good. They make life better and interesting. But it makes it harder. This commitment thing, remember, I, I think I say we suck at it. Our generation, our generations, we got a few generations here tonight. Well, we all suck at it. Let's say, let's say that. Previous generations, they weren't. They were better at seeing stuff through. Come what may, we want things to be easy and fun all the time, and we think we got a choice. Like ah, this one's not as fun, so I need to do something else. I'm speaking not to anybody specifically. I'm speaking to us again. Community. Have after the pop. We're in the air looking down at the adversity and chaos. Like so many skateboarders, we spread our legs 
avoid the chaos and put our feet on the ground. The trick is not accomplished. We say it's too hard and we go home and play video games. Or something easier. All these things, spouses, jobs, kids, churches, Jesus himself, make life harder. Well, they should. They should anyway. I really think that. I think churches should make things harder. I think your spouse should make things harder. Scum definitely makes things harder. (laughs) I love it when I see people. (laughs) Yeah. All these things make life better. And scum definitely does that too. Scum makes my life better. And my spouse. And my kids. All the things in my life that I can think of that make my life better, they make my life harder. I went snowboarding on Friday. Somebody hooked us up and it was awesome. And it, that, that's a pain in the butt to go snowboarding. But you're up there and you're like, I can't believe I was thinking about not doing this. This is epic. This is amazing. This is beautiful. All these things that make life harder and better. They're going to fail. If I don't commit to them. Jesus committed to us. When he gets the donkey, when he rides it into town, that's like his pop. And all of humanity is the skateboard. This cracks me up when I say that. It sounds so corny. All of humanity is the skateboard. But God's doing something cool. God's doing the best trick ever. Redeeming every single human ever from crappiness. To his love and peace and joy. You guys know this. Some of you guys know this. What's my favorite trick of God's? Turning shit into diamonds. That is me. I sucked before Jesus. I was just going to be this money-making automaton who had kids. My life is way cooler now. There's a lot more love coming out of my life because Jesus is in it. And that is a miraculous. It's a miracle. Shit into diamonds. That's me. Jesus, after his pop, Jesus looks down at the skateboard, flipping and spinning in chaos. At each and every single human, flinning and spipping, spinning and flipping in chaos. And how how's it going to end for him? Bad. He knows he's going to break his ankles. He knows he's going to break his neck. Skateboard's going to freaking kill him. He still commits. He puts his feet down on us. Touches us that we might touch him back. Know him. We break his neck. Guys, every time we sin, every time we do something stupid, every time we selfish, make a bad decision, 
we are in the crowd saying, crucify him. And we just said, yeah, Jesus. About 45 minutes ago. We're some of those hypocrites, guys. Still committing. Still loving us. Him getting wrecked, getting wrecked terribly, saves us, promises us. And no, wherever you are, whoever you are, you are making decisions all the time to commit to stuff. Sometimes unconsciously, the majority of the time unconsciously. I am trying to get you to think about it. Days that come, the life that you lead from here on out, think about what you're committing to and what you're not committing to. Am I committing to something right now? Am I not committing to something right now? Think about what might succeed because you do commit to it. And so much more will succeed in a cosmic way. The first thing you do is commit to Jesus first. Committing to him and That erases a lot of stuff. That makes a whole lot of stuff easier. And harder. Better. Better, better, better. So much better. Better than better, it's best. (sighs) Friends, I love you. Thanks for listening. Hope you start thinking about stuff. I love you.